0: wanna pour out our praise and honour and glory to You because You're so worthy of that. And Father, I just thank You for the opportunity this morning for us to gather and to be here. And uh, Lord, You're the greatest Father anybody could ever encounter. You, you are amazing. You're absolutely amazing. How great You are. As I sang those words, I just was struck again from the bottom of my heart. You truly are so great, Lord. And I just pray this morning that we would know it. We'd know it from the depths of our heart. How great You are, Lord. And so, uh, yeah, we just thank You, Father. Lord, I'm conscious as well that, you know, I've always prayed this, Lord, but I just, uh, it's not by wise or persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And, you know, as I come this morning, Lord, you know this has been my heart and my prayer, God, but I just pray again that You would speak and uh, that You would speak to our hearts and that You would challenge us, Lord, and. I, I, I'm convinced, Lord, Your Word does, does not come back void, but it fulfils its plans and purposes in our hearts. And we just pray that very thing this morning too, that would work in our hearts, that would be challenged and impacted. And so uh, God, yeah, just speak now, we pray. That's what we ask You to do. And uh, we just commit this time to You now in Jesus' mighty and precious Name, Amen. Feel free to grab a seat. Uh, it's great to be able to uh, share with you this morning, even walking down actually, I was so thankful, honestly, I was really thankful that you're here this morning and uh, it's such a, it is, it is such a privilege to be able to share with you. I, I remember uh, quite a few years ago now when the first iPhone uh, first came out, you may recall that or remember that, uh, but I was, I was initially pretty sceptical and people started to get the iPhone and they were raving about this iPhone and what it could do and I really feel like it was so radically different to the to the phones that we had and I don't know what phone I had at the time but you know, you remember the days back in Nokia 3310 and all that sort of stuff and then when the iPhone came and you know the 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 biggest game on those phones was snake you know and the little snake would go around and, uh, but then when the iPhone came out and I like getting my head around apps and all that, when that first came out, like, what is this? Like, it was just mind blowing. And for whatever reason, I was really sceptical and people would talk about, oh, they've got the new iPhone and would rave about it. And I used to think, no way, I'm not getting an iPhone. Like, I'm just gonna stick with my 3310 or whatever. Like, I'm just, I'm not getting it. Like, I'm not getting it. And it came time to when um, I, needed to get a, uh, I needed to get a new phone and my old phone was breaking down or whatever. And, you know, I was pretty anti the iPhone, but I remember thinking to myself, like, what's the, I should just, I'll just have a look at it. Like, i look at it a bit closer. Everyone raised a bit and what's the harm? You know what I mean? Like, what's the harm if I just have a bit of a look at the iPhone, it's not that big of a deal. And I distinctly still recall the time when I I rocked down to, I went down to Chansai Shopping Centre, I parked, I walked through the shopping centre and then I went into, might have been just a Vodafone or an store or something like that and I just thought, I'll just check out the phone and I wasn't necessarily on a plan at that time and needed a new phone or whatever and so I started looking at it and I was like, oh yeah, like it's pretty cool and looked at it a little bit further, some of the features, then somebody came and helped me out and then they showed me more about the iPhone and all of a sudden, I probably didn't admit it out loud but deep down I'm thinking, this thing is amazing, like this is dead set amazing, i was so anti. But the more I started looking, I was like, this is incredible. Well, lo and behold, long story short, I walked out with a brand new iPhone. And that was not my intention. I was not going down to get one, but I walked out. And then from that moment on, I kid you not, from that moment on, I became the biggest full-on iPhone evangelist going around. Like everyone I spoke to, I was like, this thing's amazing. You've got to get one. It's incredible. I started going as far as saying, and I'm repenting now, but I started saying, this thing's changed my life and all this sort of stuff. Obviously not as much as Christ, but I was a full-on evangelist for it. And I just thought it was incredible. And I raved about it and I raved about it. This is how big, how big it was for me. I barely write anything ever. You know what I mean? Like if someone emails me, like if you got an email from me longer than two lines, like that's a huge effort for me. And, uh, and so I don't write much. I don't write sermons out necessarily. I barely write anything. And so one time I was, uh, I was flicking through the emails and there was a thing from Apple and it was like a feedback form. We'd love to hear your feedback. And you know what? I thought, oh, I can't wait. Like, who wants to fill out a feedback form? But I couldn't wait. I was like, I have to tell them how, how much this has changed my life. I mean, this thing's amazing. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I just went on and on about how incredible their phone is. And I delivered it and thinking, man, they're gonna be so chuffed and so blown away. Never heard back. Uh, but, uh, but I couldn't help it. I just thought it was incredible. I literally thought it was amazing. The reason I mentioned this is because you know when someone loves something. Like you know it. You know it when someone, when someone really values something. You know when something is a treasure deep within a person's heart, it overflows out of them. It comes out of them, it just, it just bubbles up. They won't stop speaking about it. They can't, they just can't. It's just deep within their heart. Deep within their soul, they absolutely love that thing or they love that person. It's an overflow of the heart. It's the same in relationships. You know, you may recall maybe uh, years ago when you first met your wife or your husband or maybe you're dating now and it was like, I mean, I'm sure you're still like this in your marriage, but, but it was just like just flooded with these extraordinary emotions 24 seven and they could do anything they wanted. You couldn't care less because they're incredible and you're just so in love. And maybe you couldn't, you know, you couldn't be quiet about this other person. I remember in grade 12, a friend of mine started dating this, this, this girl and, and she, we were all in a similar friendship group and, and he was like one of my best mates and, and whenever we were with her, she just wouldn't be quiet about my best mate. And I'm like, yeah, look, he's pretty cool. But anything that came up, she's like, oh, you know, oh, Benny does this. Oh, Benny does that. And Benny does this. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, we could have been talking about tacos. And she's like, oh, yeah. And then Benny comes into tacos somehow. I'm thinking, like, you just know, don't you? You just know when, when someone's in love with something, it comes out of the heart. It comes out of the heart. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm challenged. I really am. I don't even know if this is a sermon, if it's teaching. i got no idea. And I may share things in this that I didn't share at the 8. I don't know. I, I just... I just feel challenged. And I think in a way I'm just sharing the things that I'm feeling challenged by, which I think are really a challenge to all of us. But a couple of, you know, a week ago I was reading through the Bible and I, uh, I just came across this passage. Again, you know, you just read through it. every day, you read through it and something comes up, you've probably read it a thousand times and it just strikes you. And I read this passage, that these, these, uh, these Pharisees, they come to Jesus. And they say, we want you to show us a sign. You know, show us a sign. And Jesus says, no, no no, no sign will be given to you. I won't give you a sign. Uh, the prophet Jonah, he's your sign. And he says this in Matthew 12, 41. He says, the men of Nineveh, Jesus says this, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. And he, Jesus goes on to say, for they repented of the preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is here. And again, I've probably read that multiple times, but it struck me. It really challenged me. And then Jesus goes on to say, the Queen of Sheba will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. The Queen of Sheba, was, uh, she travelled across the whole country to come and seek out Solomon and his wisdom. Solomon in all his prime and all his glory. He had all the money in the world. He was so wise and people would come from everywhere to hear from him. And Jesus says that the Queen of the South will rise. And uh, um, rise of the judgment with this generation condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here, and it challenged me. And the reason it challenged me, I wrote like in the, the, the part of my Bible, I wrote beside it there. May, I think I do the same. I wrote, do I do the same, like question mark, or something along those lines. And what I put there, the reason it challenged me was because I thought, how often in my life do I go about how I wanna do it, go about my own business, try and work it out in my own way. And the one that is greater than my own ability is right here with me and I neglect to seek Him on it. Like it really challenged me. I think I do this in my own life. And the creator of the universe, like the creator of the universe who spoke the world into being, He's with me, He's constantly with me. The one who is greater is with me and I still neglect to go to him as a first priority. So challenging. As I read it, I'm like, man, I was just like, God, like I need you to be literally like my everything. And I know there's aspects in my life and there's aspects in my heart where I just think, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it my way. The selfishness of our own hearts is unbelievable. The hidden idols, the hidden, hidden motives that are deep within our hearts sometimes. We just God must be our everything, our absolute treasure. This is what I love about, you know, there's something so powerful about childlike faith. It's so, it's awesome. It's really awesome. Um, you know, like we're always, you know, with my own kids, I'm always trying to teach them, like, God's big and he's able to do anything and, and you can trust him and he'll never leave you. Like, we're instilling these principles in, in their hearts and we pray together all the time and... and uh, you know, often if my daughter's unwell or the kids aren't well, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray that God might heal you. And we I pray with them. And they pick it up. They're amazing, they're like sponges. But you know, they just read the Bible and they believe it. That's why Jesus says you've got to have a childlike faith. They read the word of God and they just read it and say, Okay, that's true, that's that's legitimate, this is what God can do. And um, and my daughter's just picking this stuff up. And one day I went to Super Cheap Auto and I took her with me. I said, Why don't you come down? And we we went down there. And I was just looking at some things and she wandered off a little bit just down the aisle a little bit further. And she was looking at some stuff and I was just over from her a little bit. And there were a few other guys that around in, in, in super cheap auto there. And at one point I was just looking at something there and I looked over just to check on uh, Graceland, and I saw her kind of leaning over, like, like leaning over like she was in pain or something. I said to Graceland, "Graceland, are you all right? She got have called out over to her and there's some other people around. And she goes, oh dad, like I've got a pain in my stomach or something. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, like, all right. I'm thinking, okay. And so I was like, I'll just put this down. I'll come over, you know. And like I said, we're always teaching her about, you know, God's powerful. Like God can heal and stuff. And, and so by the time I kind of put this down, I started to walk over and I looked over and her demeanour had changed radically. She was standing up and she was like, Dad. She called out at the top of her lungs. She said, Dad. I said, oh, what? You know, still away from her. Everyone earshot within her range. She says, Dad. I don't have a pain anymore. She said, I just prayed to Jesus and He healed me. Like that, He healed me. And she says this in Super Cheap Auto. And she says this in Super Cheap Auto. And and there's something in me that I I wish I didn't feel like this, but I did. I'm just being honest with you. I'm repenting now. But, uh, you know, I I felt a bit like, oh my goodness, keep it down. Like everyone can hear you. You know what I mean? In in Super Cheap Auto. And I was like, oh, that's good, Gracelyn. That's really amazing. And it just makes those things challenge me because I think, well, you know, like, is He really my absolute treasure? Like, why would I care? Am Am I more concerned about my pride in that moment? Or is He literally everything to me? You know what I mean? And I just wonder if it's not just me. Maybe you too struggle with that a little bit. Maybe you too, there's aspects in your life and there's things that you prioritise over God just like I do. And it's a challenge and I think I don't want to live like that because He should be my treasure. He should be my everything. And then Jesus, so I, I read that about a week ago, those, those verses. And then a couple of days ago, I read this and I was like, man, again, I just felt like God smashed me. And it was Matthew 13, 44 and 45, I think it is. And Jesus is explaining uh, to those that are listening, He's explaining to His disciples what the kingdom of God is like. So this is important stuff. And you know what he says? He says this, he says, this is, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure, he says, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. And I read that and I was so challenged. I read that and I thought, my goodness, like, is that what my life looks like? Like here, here's the, this guy finds this extraordinary treasure and he just thinks, I would give up everything for this. I'd give up everything for this. Is that what your life looks like? I'd give away everything because, I've, and, and you know who the treasure is, don't you? Like it's God. He's our ultimate treasure. Would you give everything up for Him? And I get it. It's so much easier to just say it. It's so much, oh, he, he, yes, Lord, you're Lord of my life. But then I come across things like this and I say, my goodness, like, is he really Lord of my life? Is he Lord of my life? You know, I was challenged by, uh, we got this card in the mail, a handwritten card. And I thought, gee, you don't get that very often. Like, I thought, well, that's thought, that's pretty nice. And I brought it with me. And not only did I get a card, I got something else as well. But I was I was sort of challenged by this as well. So I got this card and I opened it up. It's just this card here, and I'm going to read it to you. And someone had handwritten in it, handwritten it to me, and also hand delivered it. And I thought that's a pretty that's pretty nice. And it says this. It says, "Hello, I hope this card finds you well," which it did. And it's handwritten. I thought, okay, this is pretty nice. This is really a very lovely writing. This is this is awesome. What's this? I hope this card finds you well. If you would consider selling for the right price, please reach out as I have a buyer who'd love to come through. Warm regards and I won't mention the name. Pretty nice, hey? Like how nice is that? Handwritten card to just us. But it gets better. Not only did she write a handwritten card to us, But she also gave us a home magazine free of charge. I won't show you the front because it'll give away maybe the real estate agency. But it's an amazing magazine about interior design, about houses, about the better house we could have if maybe we were to sell, I don't know. Uh, But there's a full magazine which would cost money. Again, hand delivered into our letterbox. How nice is that? Now, I get it. And some of you are real estate agents, so this isn't criticism and I can see one right now to my right. And, uh, and so I'm not criticising you, mate, at all. This isn't a criticism. I actually, I applaud it. I think that's amazing. To write a handwritten card, to deliver it to my letterbox, to give us a magazine again with absolute compliments. We'd love to give you this magazine. That's amazing. I read that. But you know what happened? I got in the car afterwards and I was just driving down the road after I'd sort of read that. And I, I think I was just going down the road for something. You know what I thought? I got in the car and I thought, this person wants to sell a house. Like, they've gone to that much effort to sell a house. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. That's awesome. But it's selling a house. And I thought to myself, I believe, or I think I do, I believe that I know the creator of the universe I believe that He can transform a person's life. I believe that He can restore marriages, which is in uh, such disarray in our culture today. Marriages, the family unit is falling apart. I believe He can redeem it. I believe He can restore it. I believe that when someone encounters Him, it would be the greatest thing, the greatest person that anybody could ever encounter. I believe from the bottom of my heart He's the greatest God anybody could ever encounter. And I thought to myself, when have I written a handwritten card? When have I put that in my neighbor's letterbox? When have I dropped a maybe New Testament into my street and said, this is the greatest thing you could ever encounter. Here, someone's doing this to sell a house and, and, and I know the creator of the universe. And you know what? I was challenged. I was really challenged. And I don't know if that's the best form of outreach or whatever, but gee, I'd be, I, I, I hope that I'd be willing to do it that maybe I'd be willing to drop a New Testament. Hey, just wondering if God's changed my life. If you wanna find out more, here's my number. And I jotted down some thoughts. You know, if I was to write a card, what would it look like? If I was to drop something off, what would it look like? And I, I just jotted down, I just jotted down what could be maybe written in the card. I don't know if this is the best thing. But in a similar way, I wrote down, hello, I hope this card finds you well. If you consider chatting at some point, We run a global enterprise. We have outlets in nearly every country in the world. We have hospitals, homeless shelters. We do marriage work. We have orphanages. We have feeding programs, educational programs. We do all sorts of justice and reconciliation. And basically, we look after people from birth to death. And we specialise in the area of behavioural alteration. If you'd like to find out more, if you've ever considered finding out more, please reach out because I have a client that would love to talk to you. I think, I think that's what, I think that's what I would like to put in the letterbox. And furthermore, I also have a book, free of charge compliments for you that you might like to read and I'm convinced could change your life. It just challenged me, it really did. Here was this gift in the letterbox and and yet I tell, I say to God, you're Lord of my life. But would I do that? Would I do that? It was such a challenge. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, he says in verse 45, he says a similar thing. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Why? Because he found the treasure of his life. Everything, just nothing else meant more to him than the God of this universe. And I get it. Like, you know, for some of us we think, oh, I don't know, like we still have something in you there's something in me that says I just want to do it how I want to do it I want to live my own life and all these things and I don't know what it is but maybe there's something in you and there's something in me that thinks yeah but if I just gave everything up then I'd miss out on things you know I'd miss out and it's so sad because God is a good father like he doesn't want you to miss out you know yesterday I had a situation with my two eldest kids and um And I was going to take him to the pool very quickly. I just thought, I'll just have a bit of a sermon break. I'll take him to the pool. And they love going to the pool at the moment. And my son, my son was just, I asked him to do a few things. He didn't do it. I asked him to do a few more things. And then we're nearly getting to the car. I hop in the car. I asked him to do one more thing. He didn't do it. And I just thought, you know what? I said, Hudson, you're not going to the pool anymore. That's it. And he was gutted. He was gutted. And I don't know. And and there's this discipline moment. And I just knew it had to be done because he just didn't want to listen. He didn't want to obey. And I don't know if I do the fathering thing real well, but I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good father. And I want my kids to be obedient to me. Why? Because like any good father, I believe in the bottom of my heart, if they obey what I want them to do, I think they'll have a fairly good life. A good and I want them to do that. I want them to, I want to protect them, I want to care for them. I love them. I love my kids deep down, and I want them to listen to me sometimes so they can have a full life. And and in the same way, I thought about it. I thought our Heavenly Father loves us so much more than we love our own children. Our Heavenly Father is a perfect Father and He actually wants us to obey Him so that we can experience fullness of life. He wants us in the bottom of our hearts, He wants us to be His treasure in our hearts so we would follow and do anything He says. Why? So that we can experience fullness of life. That's why. We don't, we're not gonna miss out. We just aren't going to miss out if we go, okay, God, I'm going to make you my everything. You are priority. You are the treasure of my life. Nothing else will come before you. We're not going to miss out. We're just not. Jesus says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. And you know as I was preparing for this message, I just... Again, like I said, I'm just challenged. Like I'm just honestly challenged. And I just thought, yeah, God, is this like is this my life? I'd love to stand here and say it is. And I, I don't think it is. I'm just being honest with you. I don't think God, I don't think God is truly Lord of my life. Sadly. I just think there's elements in my heart and there's elements in my life that still take priority. And and I want him to work in those areas and I want it to change. And I just wonder if maybe you're the same. Maybe he's not Lord of your life. And I just think there's a moment, there's a time to just repent and say, God, I know I put this first. Some of us prioritize work. Some of us prioritize money. Some of us prioritize possessions. Some of you prioritize uh, relationships. Some of you prioritize kids. Some of you prioritize whatever it might be. You know what that is, but there's hidden idols and there's hidden gods in our heart and He's just not the treasure. He's just not the treasure in the fullness. And sure, you love him and you want to you obey him and you want to do stuff. But he's got more for you. He's got more for you. And we need a revival in our heart. That's what revival is. You know where it starts? It doesn't start in the community. It doesn't start even corporately as a church. It starts in your heart. He wants to revive you. But you know, God's a gentleman and he'll never force you to do anything you don't want to do. And so he's all in. He loves you and he's all in. And he says, I can change you, but are you willing? Do you want revival? I can give it to you. And we we can pray and pray and pray, but revival is a saturation of the presence of God. If we don't want God, we don't want revival. Do you want Him? He's not holding back. He is not holding back from you. He wants to give you everything He has on offer and it's an extraordinary life. It's a fullness of life. But the question to you this morning is this, is He the treasure of every area? Of your life. You know, when I thought back about even when I was a brand new Christian, I thought there was such a fire, again, so challenged. Had some of the fire that I experienced as a new Christian gone. And, uh, you know, I, I recall a time when I first, um, first came to faith and I started coming here. I'd literally just been a Christian. I just started to, you know, I was in this relationship with God for about three months. And, and uh, the, from the church, here a few people. This is like 16 years ago. And uh, we used to SU beach mission trips um, during the holidays and things like that. And there was a few people from this church that would go up to this SU beach mission trip. And I heard about it. And there was something in me that thought, maybe I should give that a go. I mean, three, no church background. No, never stepped foot into my church. I've been Christian for three months. No idea. No idea. Well, all I knew was, man, God had transformed my life and I'm in. Like... Like, God, you've saved me. You've literally saved me. I'm in. I'm all in. I want to tell people about you for the rest of my life. That's what I want to do. And I don't care what profession I do. It's, it's irrelevant. I'm just going to tell people about you for the rest of my life. And so someone, they, a few people from this church were going up to Koolham to do this SU beach mission during holidays, um, January holidays, Christmas holidays. And someone from here, they still go. He said, "Hey, Twig, I reckon you should come with us." Actually, rang me one day. I was at home, still at my parents' uh, living at my parents' house. And he rang me there, and he said, "Hey, I just really feel that you should come and do this beach mission thing with us." And I'm thinking, "I don't know anything. I don't even know what you guys are doing, what that looks like." But he really felt strong. You should come. And I just said, "Oh, look, I I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. I I just can't do it. I'm really sorry. I'm not going to do it." And I hung up the phone. And I remember walking away. And there's something in, in me that was like God said to me, "You should do it. You should do it." And I said, "All right, God." If you want me to do it, I just pray he'll ring straight back, which obviously wasn't going to happen. I just pray uh, he'll ring me straight back and I'll do it. And as I said, amen, the phone rang again. And I thought, surely not, like surely not. And I went back over the phone, I picked it up. You know, this is back in the day, like, you know, pre-mobile phones. Remember those things on your wall at home? Yeah, phone at home. And I picked it up. He goes, oh, hey, it's me again. I know this is so random, but I just really think you should come. I just can't shake it. I really think you should come. And I just said, alright oh Lord like it can't get clearer than that I said okay I'll come so I go to this beach mission thing got no idea got no idea what I'm doing I got nothing absolutely nothing and that whole, we were there for a whole week and we are just connecting with the community we are based in the, skate, uh, the skateboard park there at uh, Koolam and we are just reaching out to kids and we're reaching out to teenagers and stuff all week long building relationships and stuff like that and at the end of the week and Karis was actually the leader and Karis and Brownie are overseas and mission now and Karis was actually my leader at that time that's where I first met her and uh and at the end of the week, she goes, oh, Twig, you know, what do you think of your week? And I said, oh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm smashed. I'm really exhausted. And not because I was physically tired. She goes, oh, oh, really? Like, you're really tired? I said, yes. I said to her, I said, I'm just so tired of sharing my testimony all week with all these community people. Like, I've just shared it. I can't even, I don't even know how many times I've shared it this week. I've just shared my testimony all week. And she just started, like, this massive smile came across her face. And she goes, really? She says, that's incredible. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. And I'm thinking, what's so incredible about that? Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I was just like, oh, really? Why? Like, why is that incredible? She's like, that's what it's about. That's what we're here for, like connecting with people and sharing about the love of God and all this sort of stuff. I thought, oh, right. I, I didn't have a clue. I just couldn't help it, you know. It was just an overflow of my heart. And at the end of that week, we did this big debrief and Kara shared and she, she was just up front sharing with all of us as a team. And she goes, you know, the highlight for me for my week is this young Twiggy here that just, uh, you know, just said to me, I'm just exhausted of sharing my testimony all week. I'm sitting there thinking, why is that a highlight for? I thought that's what we did. Like, I, I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't know any better. All I knew was that God had transformed my life and I just couldn't shut up about it. And I was just telling everyone about it. And you know, when I think back, I think, man, has some of the fire gone. I know there's a fire in my heart. It's there, I know it's there. But then I just get challenged and challenged by these scriptures. Man, is God really that treasure? Am I still holding on to aspects of my life? Is there a fire that's just, it's not, as, it's not as raging like it used to be. Maybe there's more, maybe there's more. You know what, there's some of you that's sitting here and you know that's you. As you look back, when you first came to faith, you're like, I know what the fire was like. When you look back and you think, I remember that. It was just like, oh my goodness, God's amazing. I, just, I was just jumping into everything, I couldn't help it. The fruit that was flying through my life, I just, I just wanted, I'm in, I was in. And as you look at your life now, you're like, yeah, where's that fire gone? And for some of you, sadly, you, you feel like, you even think, I'll probably never get back there. You, you think in your heart, or maybe you've been told, oh, I'll, never, I'll never reach that again. I'll never have that same fire, that same passion that I once had. And you know what? I'm convinced it's an absolute lie. It's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. That is simply not true. Because this is what God does. Don't you see it? He awakens us, He revives us. This is what He's in the business of doing. And don't buy that lie. Don't buy the lie that you can't get the fire that you once had. Don't buy it for a second. It is a lie from the pit of hell. God wants to revive you. God wants to awaken your heart. God wants to bring you to a greater place of passion and hunger and thirsting after Him. And He can do it. It's are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing? Again, sometimes I drop uh, drop into the job site where I used to work as a carpenter, and I see some of the boys, and I just drop off some coffees to the boys, and I just drop into the job site and. Man, there's this young fella, it's crazy, crazy story. But this young fella dropped off some coffees and stuff. And I remember one day they were just doing a job in Bridgman Downs. It was perfect, go up to the soul. Lop shop, grabbed some coffees for the boys and just whipped down there. Dropped off some coffees uh, for the the guys. And this young fella, he's become a Christian. His background is crazy, like full-on drug dealer, like just just going nowhere. Should should be in prison. He probably would have been in prison by now crazy story and his life's been radically transformed he's got this job now with the guys I used to work with and he's just on fire and I go down there and I sit down because it's smoke time for them and I just give them all their coffees And I just sit with them just for a little bit chatting to the boys and there's other contractors there and there were some plumbers that were sitting there as well and you know these these boys aren't Christian or whatever and and uh and you know they're swearing and carrying on and talking about whatever they're talking about and this young fella he, he's just, he's so hungry. He's sitting there at smoke time with all these traders around. We're sitting, having lunch together and smoking together. And he's got his little Bible there. And as soon as I arrive, he couldn't help himself. He jumps up in front of everyone. He goes, oh, Pastor David, Pastor David. I'm thinking, oh, this is awkward, man. Like, you know, like you don't have to call me pastor. Like, again, you know, I just, I'm just i just being honest, but I just struggle. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh yeah, mate, yeah. And he's like, look, he pulls out his He's got his Bible. He's got his Bible at smoke and he pulls down and he goes, I've just been reading through Hebrews. And you know, all these other tradies and I'm like, oh mate, just keep it down, you know. And they're all looking at him and they're looking at, who's this bloke dropping on these coffees, just been reading through Hebrews. And he starts reading to me the most abstract, weird set of verses I've ever read in my life. And I'm thinking, you couldn't have read anything worse right now to these non-Christians. They're gonna go, there, there it is. Like the Bible is weird. And he starts, he starts reading these, these verses from uh, from Hebrews. And he goes, what do you reckon? Like it's in front of everyone. He goes, so what do, you, what do you reckon that means? Because he goes, I was reading earlier this morning that you read about in the Old Testament as well and it relates back and, and, and Paul, he talks about it all. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about it as well. You know, what do you think? And I'm thinking, this is the most weird time to be talking about this and I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Now, I, I, I wish I wasn't. I wish I was like, mate, let me tell you about it. But I, I just know, I just struggle with these things. I know that God is an absolute treasure deep within my heart. But you know what? For him, he he couldn't care less. Why? Because God's everything to him. Like, God's just everything to him. And it's just challenging. so challenging. I just think, far out, God. Where where is some of that fire? He couldn't care less who's listening. Some of the boys, a couple of the boys, a few of the boys there that are Christian, they're just challenged. They're just smashed going, Man. In the same way, where was, where's my heart? Where's my passion? I don't know. Maybe you used to be there. Don't, don't believe the lie you can't get back there. Don't believe that God doesn't want to revive your heart and awaken you to what he wants to do in and through your life. I came across this. I don't know how much time I've used, but oh, i still got a bit of time. You look fairly engaged. I'll just read this to you. And, uh, you know, I was reading last night, C.T. Studd, some of you may know C.T. Studd, a famous uh, English cricketer, I think he was, but man, he came to faith and just challenged, just, just gave up his cricket. And uh, I think he went, he just went overseas. He just went. He's just like, I gotta go, I gotta go. But he was challenged by this, this quote. I think I've shared it in a night service. He was challenged by this quote that apparently was written by an atheist. And he read this and just challenged him, I wanna read it to you. It says this, this is this atheist that wrote this. He says, if I firmly believed, he's really challenging Christians here. He says, if I firmly believed as millions say they do, that the knowledge of a practice of religion in this life influences destiny in another, then religion would mean to me everything. Absolutely everything. He says, I would cast away earthly enjoyments as dross, earthly thoughts and feelings as vanity, Religion would be my first waking thought and my last image before sleep sank me into unconsciousness. I should labour in its cause alone. I would take thought for the marrow of eternity alone. I would esteem one soul gained for heaven worth a life of suffering. Earthly consequences would never stay in my mind or seal my lips. Earth its joys and its griefs would occupy no moment of my thoughts. I would strive to look upon eternity alone and on the, on the immortal souls around me, soon to be everlastingly happy or everlastingly miserable. I would go forth to the world and preach to it in season and out of season. And my text would be, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And I don't know about you, but it's a, as it was a challenge to CT start. It's a challenge to me and maybe it's a challenge to you also. Where is your treasure? Can we honestly say this morning, I would give up everything for you? Is that where our hearts lie? Or is there aspects that you know of deep down in your soul, deep down in your heart, you say, yep, that's a priority above God. Yes, that's before God. Yes, that's before God. And I don't know what it looks like, but what I do know is this, is that I know if there's hidden idols in my heart, I need to bring it up. I need to bring it before God and say, God, I need you to help me with this. I need you to help me. And so maybe it's finances, maybe it's work, maybe it's possessions, maybe it's relationships. You know what it is because it's the knocking on your heart, God saying, I need you to repent of that. I need you to let go of that. I need you to give that to me. I need you to let, you know, give that up. I need you to surrender that. Because I want to fill you up, but I won't be able to fill you if you've got these other hidden idols in your heart. You've got to get them out. You've got to get them out. And for me, I, you know, finances was always a big thing. I know that I struggled around that. I still do, to be honest. Still do. Before I came to faith, I grew up in a family. My dad invested well and, and he wanted us to have, you know, a fairly financially secure life. And it doesn't seem like a bad thing, but it's when you, it's the love of money. And I just started to identify my own life when I first became a Christian. I think, I, I think there's aspects I love money more than God. And I struggle, it's a hidden idol. And God says, I don't want that. I want that. every aspect of your heart. And over the last few years, because you know how you get rid of it? You've got to do the opposite. If you're greedy, you've got to be generous. That's how you start to do it. And so maybe we need to sit down. Maybe this morning you need to repent and say, God, help me identify those things in my life. Help me to identify and to let go, to repent of those things and say, God, I need you to take priority in this life. You know what it is. You know what it is. But it's an opportunity for us this morning to repent and say, God, I need you in this. I need to start looking at other aspects. I need to start looking towards you rather than the things of this world. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Pour your heart, seek Him. You know, the Word of God says, um, come to me, uh, sorry, draw near to me, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. It's a promise from God. He's not withholding, He's all in, but are you all in? Will you make Him the treasure of your heart, the treasure of your life? Maybe social media, maybe TV, it may be sport, it may be whatever it is, but there are things in your heart that are taking priority. And says, you want revival, you want life in all its fullness. Surrender it all, lay it all. Find your absolute treasure in me and nothing else and you will experience fullness of life. Let's stand as we pray together and respond to God. Father, we thank you for your Word because it's so powerful, it's so challenging and it pierces our heart. And there's some here this morning that have been challenged because I just believe this is what you do, you work in our hearts. There's some here that they already know what that is, great God. There's some here that they know they're not they're not where they used to be. The fire isn't as as full as what it has been in the past, great God. And this morning is an opportunity for us to respond to You. I think it's an act of repentance, really, Lord. You're a jealous God and and You want want all of us. And You don't want to share Your glory with anyone or anything else. And Father God, we just want to say this morning that we're sorry. We're sorry for the hidden idols. We're sorry for the the things that we've chased in our lives. And we want You to be the treasure deep within our heart. You know, if you feel to respond this morning, I wanna just give you that opportunity. Just if you wanna respond and and you know it's you, if you feel free to do it, I, I just invite you to put your hands out in front of you and just with eyes closed, hands out in front of you with your palms open and maybe just envision what that thing is for you that's before God. What is it that you prioritise over God? To open up your palms before Him and say, God, I just lay this before the foot of the cross and I just, I'm just sorry for, for these aspects. And I wanna, I wanna hand it over to you. I wanna give it over to you. And I wanna give you an opportunity in this moment to just pray a prayer, just in your own heart and in your own head, for you to pray, for you to do business with God. You know what it is, just with palms open. To say, Oh come Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I'll give you an opportunity to pray in your head and in your heart. Father, you've heard every prayer. And I just pray that, and I just thank you for the challenge that you've brought to us this morning. And I just pray, great God, you know, we need you desperately. We we can't make the changes that need to take place in our lives without You. We need the power of Your Holy Spirit. And You've challenged us this morning and we're, we're so sorry. We ask You to forgive us and we ask You to help us. And I just pray, Lord. You know, we're praying for revival, but revival starts in us. If it starts in my heart, it starts in our heart. And so revive us. We repent. Revive us. Awaken us to what You want to do, great God. We want to worship and honour You. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to sing a song I just felt in the worship to sing this song again. We sung about it at the start, just speaking about the words, just speaking about how great our God is, how great He is. And that's what we're talking about, the treasure in our hearts. As we worship and as we sing to Him, we're just acknowledging You are so great, God. Help me to know it. Help me to live it out. Not just know it, help me to live it out. As we sing these words, I pray that you might respond to Him. But you know what? There's an opportunity to respond as well. I believe in the power of prayer. And if you want prayer for anything at all, just come down in this song and just, just ask for prayer. Just say, just pray for me. Just pray for me. Uh, we would love to do that for you. But let's sing these words together as we just worship and honour the greatest Father anybody could ever encounter. Let's praise Him.
1: darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. Don't hold back, church. It's your prayer.
2: Church, we are privileged to be God's chosen people this morning, His treasured possession. He loved us first. And our response as we head into another year, as we seek Him for what's ahead, is just to love Him and serve Him and and be reminded again what it is to be passionate, about our great God, we used to sing a song here years ago: "Consuming fire, fan into flame, a passion for Your name." And I just was reminded of that again: how great God is, and our response, our heart, is to just be turned towards Him again. Know His love. Know His grace. This is not a condemn. This is not condemnation. This is. This is God's grace pouring out over us again, reminding us of who He is and calling us to live in His love. Don't we wanna be that as His people in this place? He's called us to be His body, His expression of Himself right here in all the places that we head out into today and this week. And our heart is just to to love people, to serve people and shine the light of Jesus. And our prayer this morning is that everything else will fade as Jesus is lifted high. Oh Lord, we honour You and we glorify You and we worship You. And I'm reminded of the prayer of John the Baptist, less of us, God, and more of You. Protect us, Lord, from the the temptation it is just to go along with our culture and be comfortable in that, God. Stir our hearts, stir our spirits, fan into flame a passion for Your Name again today, God. And as we head out in this week, Lord, we ask for Your Holy Spirit to go before us and to fill us again and that You would use us, God, to declare who You are. We love You, Jesus. We love You, Jesus. In Your precious Name we pray, Amen. Church, I I urge you, if you've got something stirring in your heart this morning, don't hesitate to come and be prayed for today. We are a community and we're doing life together. And we want to walk this journey together. We want to be God's people together in this place. We're not meant to do it alone. Love you to come for prayer. Stay for a coffee after the service. Chat to the people around you. We look forward to seeing you again really soon and all that God has in store for us in this year ahead. Bless you, church. Thank you, team.